Hello, I'm Laura Ludwig, and you're listening to A Space. An A service from Veloz. Champagne volleyball of it, two points away. Hello there and welcome to the A Space. We are back again with another episode with the world's best volleyballers. We've had some absolute superstars and we have another one for you this week. My name is Louis Lett and I'll be today's host. On other occasions it will be Dave Rogers and we'll be joined by our CV legends Matt Rogers or Daniel Meanly. Today we have Matt here with us. Hey Matt, how are you doing? Hey Louis, yeah good thanks. Yeah good. You've been excited for this one all week, haven't you? I have, I have, yeah. <laughs> been been looking forward to it. When I do the research, it kind of, it kind of starts to feel real, doesn't it? That's the thing. And we've got loads that we could look into on this guest. So looking forward to it. Yeah, we could we could talk for hours. Just so you know, uh, guys know, these episodes are recorded remotely due to the current situation. We're going to be releasing these alternately with our unscripted and debate series, which will come out on a Friday. Right, the exciting moment. It's time to meet this week's guest. And I can say officially that she's an absolute rock star of the sport. An Olympic gold medalist, a world champion, a four-time European champion, three-time winner of the World Tour Finals, three-time Olympian, 2007 Most Improved, 2011 Best Offensive Player, 2013 Best Defensive Player, 2013 Most Inspirational, 2015 Sportsperson. There's a lot more and we will go through them as this episode continues, but the most Probably the biggest role model in the sport at the moment that represents hard work, grit, determination, and she's blimming charming as well. Stop she's it. an incredible Stop once it. in a generation talent, and I have butterflies in her. Welcome to the podcast, Laura Ludwig. Hello. No, I'm red and I don't know what to say. Hello. <laughs> Well, we even had to miss out half of your achievements because there were so many. I only got down to like 20, 20, 30, but you know, we ran out of time. I, I, my smile got bigger and bigger, but my, uh, my muscles in my cheeks, they are not, um, yeah, not so strong right now anymore because I'm, I don't know, maybe I'm not smiling enough. <laughs> I got like, oh, oh, oh. Do, do you ever sort of like listen to something like that and look back and just unbelievable achievements over the past 10 years? The, um, the cool thing is that actually the um, introduction um, in the last weeks was always a little bit similar and I'm always like, oh yes, I'm, listen I'm listening and I'm, I can't wait to hear it again because it's like you forget about those things sometimes because of all the day and with the kid, you, especially with the kid, you forget a lot about beach volleyball sometimes. And then it's really nice to hear sometimes about actually um, about the success, what you had in the last years and what you did as a player and um, not just being a mom right now. Because <laughs> children are a great neutralizer, aren't they? They really bring Definitely. you back down to earth. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> I was expecting you to start listing some stuff from her school. Maybe there were some school awards that we, we should mention as well. <laughs> I don't have any school awards. Nothing from school, you must have. Like, you mean being intelligent? No. <laughs> I don't know. You must have been like best sportswoman at your school or something, surely. No, actually not, no. I think we never had, um, like, I can't remember that we had awards in school or something like this, but after school, actually, they were inviting us. I remember I went back to my school, which I really liked because it was a sports school, um, and uh, I really missed it because it was still at home in Berlin. 
And um, so they invited me to come back as an Olympian and um, to talk a little bit about my, about my experiences to the young um, students or pupils. And yeah, that was really exciting. I was really nervous to talk about it, actually, standing on stage in my old school. <laughs> were there any teachers still there from when you were yes. at school? Oh, from, wow. Yeah, yeah. But my favorite ones. So that's why it was um, easy to stay ah, nice. and uh, answer some questions there. Yeah. I would get really nervous going back to my old school with my uh, school reports, uh, the way that they were. But, really? Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd be, yeah, you can always, always talking. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know um, why I believe that so much. Yeah. <laughs> you make a living from talking, Louis. So it was, it was all practice. Yeah. I still don't understand. Yeah, it was still have. But yeah, no idea. You, you learn for life yeah. in school. Not, not, not everybody can say that. Yeah. <laughs> So this episode is the summer of 16, Louis, but there's something I wanted to just raise beforehand because myself and another co-host on this show, Laura, have been a bit naughty. We've done a covert interview with someone. So Louis isn't actually aware of this. And what we did was we've got 20 odd questions with this guest. Louis looking really worried now. But 20 <laughs> odd questions with this guest and we're going to release one every week and slowly people will start to work out who it is. So if it's okay with you, I just want to play the first clue and then you can maybe have a guess who this star is that we've interviewed. Okay. Okay. So this is the first clue on our mystery, mystery guest. And I'll, I'll tell you now, he's a man. We're going to call him our mystery man. And let's see if you can have any guesses who it is after you hear this clue number one. Do you play volleyball, beach volleyball or snow volleyball? Volleyball. So you've got one Brazilian. word. You're going with a Brazilian. Okay. Yes. Louis? I don't know how I'm supposed to have a have a guess at who this is. So let's let's go if they are Brazilian. I'm going to go. Who drank coffee this morning? Who? <laughs> I got no idea. No idea. So all we know that we well all we think so far is um, that he's he's Brazilian. Louis, you don't want to throw a name out there just in case you get it on the. I'm going to go Genia Genia Grabinikov. He's not Brazilian. Oh, you're going French. Okay. Well, I cannot confirm nor deny that it is Genia. Um, but yeah, so that is our mystery man. We'll have one clue every every podcast. Wow, interesting. And hopefully by the end of the summer, someone's got it right. <laughs> yeah. Otherwise, it would be embarrassing for the mystery man. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it would be. It would be. All right. Should we start talking then about the summer of sixteen? Yes, please. <laughs> now, does the fact that you're an Olympic medalist ever get old? Just for someone asking for a for a guy who's never going to win one. No, never, 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 never. Especially now that it's for one more year longer. <laughs> yeah, true. How do you how do you feel about that? Like, what's yeah, the initial crazy. feeling of the postponement? Oh, there's lots of feelings about it. Um, the first feeling, although we knew it's gonna be like this, that we have to wait for one probably one year longer. Um, when they announced it, I was really shocked. Like it was really like in a hole because we were working like probably everybody, every athlete was working for a long, long time um, to it and um, had the big aim in this year. And then suddenly it was gone. And um, yeah, the, I was definitely for like probably three days. I even didn't want to talk about my questions in my head or um, yeah, anything like this. And I was just playing with Tio all day long and I really didn't want to play, uh, talk about beach volleyball. 
Um, yeah, and then my questions got bigger and bigger, and um, yeah, I wanted just to know answers, and um, yeah, then I started talking again about it. But it was really strange in the beginning. I was really like, nah, I, I'm not gonna do this. It sounds so hard. One more year longer, and I had other other plans, and yeah, so um, a little bit strange. But right now, um, I see more the positive things about it, having more time, and especially with our situation that we were new as a team and had um, still to um, uh, learn a lot of things and also get to know each other even better on court. And so we have actually more time for it. And this is a little bit bigger in my head now, I'm right now. That's fascinating that you say you can see the positives because from the outside, like, like, I think that it's, it's awesome for you guys with that extra year and yes. how, your, how your season just went like bam at the yeah. end and now you have even more time to... Yeah, make the magic. yeah, especially we had a really nice preseason, or like preparation, and it felt like in the end of the year. So we really wanted to go in the tournaments and see if it's working again, or was it just this one time? So, and then suddenly it stopped, and um, that made probably the hole in our head and our feelings, emotions. But I actually, I don't want to be in the shoes from younger players like um, Clemens Wickler uh, and Julius Tole. I think that's um, way harder. So I'm fine in my position. <laughs> it's comfortable now. You've got the answers that you need and you're kind of at ease with the situation. A little bit better, yeah, definitely. Uh, good. Experience is helping as opposed to, imagine if your first Olympic Games and you're psyching yourself up for the first one and then it gets put back a year, you're just... Seriously, imagine, imagine even you have those thoughts in the head that they, they um, cancelled the um, Olympics. I mean, it's still some voices or like um how do you say gossips that they um that they maybe won't happen and that is the first olympics you have and you fight for it and you're qualified already and you're kind of a um, um underdog for the medal i mean our germans are amazing players and um yeah and then suddenly maybe they won't be there so and, and of course for the the olympics after there's only going to be a three-year gap yes and usually, ah. I would say the year after the Olympics, top athletes use that time as Definitely. like a bit of a down. So yeah, yes. And difficult. especially also the world champs also get um, changed. Um, so the world champs from next year in Rome, they um, will happen the next yeah. year after, so 2022. Yeah. And then there's another world champs, 23, and then the Olympics. So it's a wow. lot of like big three years in the yeah. Rome. Huge. In episode three, we're going to be looking to the future a little bit more. So I'm oh, going to yeah. drag it. A bit and we're going to get a little bit nostalgic first which hopefully for you should always be, be great talk to us about sort of 2016 on the whole like you didn't just we're going to come to the olympics but you didn't just win the olympics that year another in championships major series in hamburg and klagenfurt world tour finals you, you crushed it like you're pretty much invincible what are your, you're smiling now. What are your feelings looking back at the, the whole year and the bigger picture and what you create uh, and the success you had? Um, having a little bit of a distance now to 2016 and um, yeah, thinking about the year, it was just unbelievable. I always looked up to teams like um, Larissa, Juliana, um, Kerry and Misty who were had years, um, tournaments where they're just winning and you know nobody could beat them. And then having a year where it felt a little bit like this with us, or like now I can say it, but in this year I wasn't thinking about it like this because you were always fighting for the next game and for the next tournament to win. 
But now I can say, I think we were in this year um, somebody who was a little bit unbeatable. And um, that it's just really good, the hard work we had before and the trouble we had before, the injuries and everything. Um, we went through it as a team really good. I can just smile when I look back um, for the year 2016. You, you guys are that team of this generation. There's for no the doubt. year, I would say. The years before, we had lots of ups and downs. But the 2016, I mean, the, now I can say we were definitely um, a hard team to beat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I even think since then, look, like looking how open it is again now just proves how difficult it was to become that team. I think um, the women's game is so open now. It's amazing to, yes. amazing to follow and I, I really enjoy it because of how open it is and how anyone can be anyone. Um, I imagine that was the plan three years on the line to win the Olympic Games, but did you ever feel it would be that dominant? And, and can you talk us through the, those early stages of your partnership? Yeah, um, first of all, I um, I had the first time the feeling when I saw Julius and um, Jonas um, winning the gold medal in London. And I was sitting on the bench or on the, in the big stadium and I saw them winning. And my first thought was like, I want this as well. <laughs> if the, those, Germans can, those Germans can win the medal, the gold medal, I think I can do this as well. So that was my first thought and I really um, wanted it. And before I always, I liked winning, obviously, everybody likes winning, but it was never like I um, really believed that I can do it or we could do it. And um, yeah, from that moment, I kind of started thinking I really want to be the best. Um, so, and um, yeah, I saw Kira uh, playing and she was already with her young age, a big blocker and really aggressive on court and she loved winning and you could see she hated losing. So I really wanted um, ne uh, her next to me. And um, yeah, we um, came to the point where we um, needed a coach. And then we just asked Jürgen, um, who was coach from Julius and Jonas before, and asked what he would, um, if he would um, practice uh, or coach us. And then he had this long, long talk, a big talk about how, uh, how much I need to change and how much um, I need to uh, do this and this and this. And then after the talk, he said, and I think after a year, you will quit because you're not the person you, um, you, you can do it. And I was just sitting there. I will show you I can do it. And um, yeah, so that was kind of the start um, where he really got the thing out of me. Um, so yeah, and Kira is just a hard worker. Kira was a hard worker from beginning on. She, um, yeah, wanted always to win. I think from the beginning on, she was a big winner. And um, yeah, that's why it was actually a really good fit or a good mix up between of us and the coach. So who, who was Cupid or am I right in saying you were the one that targeted Kira to say, no, I want you as my partner? Or was um, there someone yeah. who said, no, you two would be good together? No, I asked her. Like, I would definitely, I, I have, have a mentor as well, kind of. Um, my first coach, my first beach football coach, um, Olaf Kortmann. And I was talking with him a lot about some players and um, but yeah, in the end, we were both talking um, about Kira. I was a little bit um, unsure because of her injuries already in this uh, young age. But um, yeah, you could see her on court and you knew you want her next to, um, to yourself and you don't want to play against her. <laughs> you mentioned, um, obviously, Jorg and, and the relationship there. Do you think he was being honest or do you think he just knew from the get-go how to get the best out of you? 
he's a very smart person and he knows about uh, personality very quick. He is really good in reading persons. And um, I asked him after, actually, I asked him, do you remember the talk and um, that you said this? And he said, I even don't remember that I said it like this. And I was like, that was really like a poof in my heart. And um, you got me like this. And he was like, yeah, I can't remember. But I think he's doing a lot out of the emotions as well and um, out of the situations. And maybe he saw it in my face or that he has to trigger me a little bit. I don't know. How, how did it go? Um, I actually, in preparation for this interview this morning, spoke to uh, Craig Susu. I spoke to Seuss for about an hour, which was, which was awesome. And he said when? the thing this morning. Like, really? We, we spoke, yeah, yeah. Like, we, yeah. like the was, last days I'm thinking about, I need to call him. I, I can't believe that I didn't hear him for probably longer than a year. <laughs> he, he was, he was on, in great form. I, yeah, he would obviously, he was so proud of, of, of what you've achieved and, and how far you've come. He did say when you would look at all the, the data and the stats, before a game and, and pick out a game plan, you would get a feel um, yourself and you would go the other way into whatever you were feeling and what you could read. And no, no, but he meant in the yeah, most yeah. amazing ways, like that would be the stats. Would that be this, was, was that sort of difficult with your, if he's like, I want you to do this, this and this, but you get a bit of intuition and you want to go your own way or? No, actually, Jürgen is like this as well, that he's really open with this. He has like structures for us. Um, um, but he, know, he knew us as players as well. And he knew also what we can do on court and that we can adapt to a lot of things. And actually we were practicing more that we can adapt quick and think a little bit by our own. Um, so, and that's why it was a little bit like we knew about the players um, what they liked the most, but um, actually the yeah, coming up with the big plan or the adaptation on, um, on the um, um, tactic was actually always in the game. Perfect. I, I can see like when I watch you play, like you're the you're the best reader of a game I think I've seen. Like alongside Anders when blocking, like just just create another level. You and Anders Mole would be a great <laughs> team. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> but behind Mole, I think it's um, yeah, it's it's probably a little bit easier to defend. <laughs> we need to change a few of the rules though with the genders and the nationalities. But if we get round those, that's a great team. Sorry, Maggie, I, sh I shouldn't be just. <laughs> I'm sorry, Laura. so wrong as well. <laughs> <laughs> but it would be interesting, actually, some mixed teams. But but when I'm thinking about it, I actually don't want to get a ball from a um, guy hit into my face. I really don't want to. <laughs> now, sometimes actually we're practicing with boys, and I'm really always amazed about how fast the ball can fly. There's such a, such a difference. It's crazy. Yeah. Yes. Oh, okay. That's another thing that, that Craig said today, though, is that he could feed from wherever as hard as he could and you just get yourself in the way of it, get your platform on it and pop it up. So I, I, I disagree with what he just said. <laughs> Did he actually tell you that um, I was always a little bit lazy to get the line shots and he was one time he was, um, we had a singer session and he was telling me, oh, I have a new exercise for you. And then he was preparing a ball putting chocolate bars on the ball stuck on them and because he he knows i love chocolate so that i run after a ball because of chocolate and that was his <laughs> exercise and i was like are you kidding me but for that actually for this practice i was actually running for some line shots <laughs> so he, he knew me I, quite good <laughs> I, I think that's brilliant yeah i think that might make me want to play actually <laughs> I think, I think you, I'm not sure about you, but probably you have to put Nutella on the ball, like really put it uh, with a knife on the ball. So. But the problem is, as soon as it hits the sand, you've ruined the Nutella. 
<laughs> no, but he really wants it hard, so he's going quick for the ball. Okay. Yeah. Oh, he gets there. Does, Louis gets there. Really okay. I just can't put the ball on the floor. Uh, <laughs> every rally is a mega rally for me. Start of that season, you sit down as a team, 2016. What's, what is the plan towards the gold medal? Like, what's the sort of conversation for any beach volleyball fan, coach out there? How is it facilitated and then how do you drive forward through to, to, to reach your goals? I think that um, there was not the, just the start of 2016. I think there was a lot of talking before as well to really um, get into routines, like especially also with your, um, or with our psychologist, with our mental coach, that we get into routines which we really can um, get out of us without even thinking about it. So really when we need them, like in a really really important event like the olympics so that we have those routines and um how do you say like it's coming everything is coming automatically and you don't have to think so much about it and especially when you're nervous you get so tense that uh, your movement is not as as the movements when you just practice or when you have a normal game in a tournament so we, we really try to work um to the ideal movement and to the ideal uh, routines which we have um, for the game for the thinking like so for um, London and Beijing I was always so nervous and I had the feeling I couldn't move um, as I normally move like I, I felt like a stone and I was always afraid about the next one that I mess it up again um, because before the Olympics I always felt like I'm we can we can do this I'm unbeatable and in the Olympics I was always playing really bad and so I was talking a lot with the psychologist about it. And um, so we tried to work um, for four years um, about um, routines so that uh, we can use this as in this big event. So I don't think it's only this one year which makes us strong. It was more the three years before, um, which um, helped us through the Olympics, actually. Did you go to those other Olympics, so before Rio, Beijing, London, expecting, planning, thinking you were going to win the gold medal? I tried to say it, but I actually didn't believe it, I think. I think it was definitely different to Rio. Rio was a little bit uh, more that I could feel that we can do it, I have to say, yeah. So the feeling was different going into it? Yeah, more I feel sorry to say it, actually, because, um, because it's always hard saying it after, but um, I really wanted it, but I probably didn't believe it, no. There are lots of other teams which are definitely better, and um, then you have really to play at your best at the big event uh, where everybody is watching and yeah. um, and we also for the first olympics you really don't know you go in this tournament and you really don't know how it will be you think it's like a, a like a tournament like every other tournament but then the first time you are totally because like or the olympic village or the other athletes or the other um, sport which is going on and you want to see everything because it's so exciting and um, i was definitely not focused enough to um, win anything there <laughs> But now in hindsight, it, it's also all part of that process maybe that led you to that gold medal and that experience on, on the way, right? Yeah, that's um, like for Kira, it was, for example, the first Olympics and she <laughs> definitely was, um, yeah, trusted us um, 100%, I guess, in the end, she had to, um, so that she was believing in everything we said and what the um, psychologist said, what Jürgen said, because um, all of them, or also with me, we were at the Olympics and we had those experiences and she was really good in trusting us. Very mature for, for a first Olympics to behave like that and go and win a gold medal, right? That, that says a lot about it. like this. <laughs> Unbelievable. Yeah.
un, un, unbeatable. Um, and she... with this age as well, I mean, this is really, um, yeah, standing on court there and having all the crowd um, against you even, like with the semi-final and the final against Brazil, it was really difficult. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, being as strong as Kira was pretty amazing. Yeah. Uh, just, just quickly, could you possibly give an example of the psychologist or a routine um, for anyone that, that plays a game listening? I imagine, or I like to imagine that most of the people that listen to this podcast are players or, or coaches. I was not always a fan of psychologists, um, but when I met Annette, our psych uh, she's still our psychologist, and I really liked the way she was talking with us or talking with me in the beginning. It was more like just a dialogue, getting to know each other, and it is kind of still like just a dialogue and asking a lot of questions and then i'm giving more and more my answers about some problems or about some uh, things which are um, going in my head um, so it's really i like the way uh, the way she's working it's not like it's only exercising and i have to do homework and it's not difficult um, um, like before i was really uh, anxious about it i was um uh, scared about all the work i have to do and coming out of my comfort zone all those things like in the beginning, I had um, always, I still have this little devil on my shoulders, which is always telling me, you're not good enough, you can't do it. And um, uh, I was really working with getting him away or actually having also the uh, good one, the angel, which is um, hitting this one. <laughs> and um, uh, we did some exercises about us, having pictures. I'm a person which is working a lot with pictures. Uh, I can picture a lot. Um, and yeah, we went through some positive games and um, trying to get the feel in the positive games where I felt unbeatable and so get this into a bad game. So, so, and then I had kind of a TV, for example, which I could switch off and on. And uh, at the Olympics on the bench, I had also my uh, TV remote, remote um, for, especially for the Olympics, what it was difficult because of the noise from the Brazilians and all the booing and being against you. Um, she gave me also a really simple exercise, controlling a little bit, um, not my ears, um, giving the sense more in my feet, feeling the sand, feeling the ball. So I was not um, listening to the crowd anymore. So like little things like this were, were really helping um, from her or having, yeah, ask your questions. Otherwise I keep talking all day long probably. No, no, this is, it's fun that you talk with us. Yes, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was going to say, sure. I mean, listening to you now for, for 10 or 15 minutes, I think playing in Rio and in Brazil probably helped you. Then you're in the lion's den everyone's booing and you were, you were proving them all wrong it was probably harder for them than for us uh, i mean having the crowd with you but don't uh, you don't want to disappoint the your country um you don't especially the brazilians i uh, don't want to dis um, disappoint the um yeah, federation rio de janeiro copacabana and all the things um i think they definitely had it harder i would be probably nervous more nervous being in hamburg and playing um no, I wasn't actually. It was really good. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, you, you, I was going to say, you're unbelievable. I <laughs> no, it wasn't the Olympics. It was the final, so it's a little bit different. It was definitely hard for the Brazilians. Um, it felt actually after three or four points uh, where we got the rhythm and we could feel we can do it. 
it felt just great. It felt like every point we did and they were booing more and more in the beginning, it felt even greater. And then they got a little bit quieter and then it felt more quiet, <laughs> more better, better. <laughs> now I'm getting excited again. I get red cheeks already. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, get, I'm getting red cheeks listening to it, don't worry. It's, um, it's, it's brilliant. The one, the one thing that I've taken out of this um, that for anyone who plays is that you've just, you just mentioned that you have that devil and angel on your shoulders. It's like I have it all the time. Yeah, but I think it's, it's like um, a lot of people have it, not only athletes. I, I, I'm quite sure everybody has doubts or um, questions in their head. And then it's nice to talk about it and know some answers and routines and um, yeah, breathing sometimes and not get panicking too much about it. Breathing such a big part of psychology as well, bringing the heart rate down and focusing, especially I'm, when you're uh, going to hit that little data of a serve that you've got. Surely, surely it's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's funny it's like, um, everybody's talking about the special stuff actually Julius and Jonas started with this I just copied them <laughs> yeah Julius had it was the first time I saw it and I'm like there, there it is they were so good I had to copy something so <laughs> they were doing something good and, and, Nick, and Nick their coach at the same time perfect yep. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do um, so 2016 starts you win in 2015 in uh, Porto in, yeah, lovely Mexico. Um, so the winning actually didn't start until a little bit later on in the year, when this when the summer kicked in. What were the thoughts post preseason? A couple of sort of uh, like the fifth and the ninth. How is the feeling at that point towards Olympic Games? Is that sort of all part of the we're not there yet and that's okay we're building, or is that pressure building? We at that point we kind of knew that we were qualified for the Olympics. Um, the peaking in in June, uh, July, August. So um, that's why we knew we will have a slow start. Our coach was always preparing um, uh, for this um, situation. And we knew we were not going to be at the, our best in the beginning. So actually there was no, like it was always with the self-personal thing that you want to win and you lost. So definitely frustration was there. But we always um, yeah, came back to the ground and knew, okay, there's a bigger thing we want to achieve. And um, it was kind of always like this, that our preparation was always a big thing. Um, we did a lot of technique stuff, athletic stuff, and uh, weren't um, so um, aware about or not so conscious about the playing um, or the competition practice. So that always started really late. So just before the first tournaments, we started with big competition practice because we knew in the end we needed more. Um, so that's why we knew, okay, we need to get into the rhythm with playing. Like it's totally different, for example, for the Brazilians or Americans, uh, or especially the Brazilians. They play a lot, especially um, also in our winter. They have their tournaments, their national tour, and they are really playing teams and that's such a different um, rhythm which they have so when you play in the beginning against the Brazils and you they just beat you and you think you can't play beach volleyball and then it's getting more we adapt more and more with the playing um, over the season so sometimes it's really um, crazy with the rhythm because I'm a, I'm a big rugby fan and I watched a documentary I don't know if you follow rugby or even know rugby ask, ask I know rugby, about rugby. But... <laughs> Mark will tell you all about rugby <laughs> But there was this there was this documentary about Johnny Wilkinson, who was a, a key position for the England team, and they basically said it was a four year plan to get him at his peak for the World Cup. If you if you don't succeed, you know, away from an Olympics, that's not always a bad thing. It's definitely like this. Um, it's always 
a school trusting also in this. We had also like uh, everybody tries to have a four years plan and really trusting in this plan. And even when you lose, being calm or when you have problems with your bodies, being calm and have the patience and um, the belief that you actually still can do it. I really had to work on this patient thing. Like I, I'm a, I hate like patience is always a word which I need to um, learn new again and again and again in every single situation I have. And um, uh, so, um, yeah, patience is definitely the key. The trust and patience is the key. Yeah, interesting and good to hear. That's sort of why I asked like the periodization. I just saw like the perfect rise to, to success um, throughout that season. It was it was great to go back through your results and actually yeah. see it. Go, Hang on, this, this has just been planned perfectly, <laughs> um, which is always nice to hear. Um, yeah. So then you go. You go uh, to Moscow, there's a ninth there, there's, there, then it starts to get really interesting. Um, two final fours in the major series, Porridge and Stad, and then you win in Klagenfurt before you head to the Olympic Games. Do you and Kira like, look at each other at that point and go, yeah, we've got this? The crazy thing is Klagenfurt was a hard, really, really hard tournament for us. We were, um, like Kira had problems with her shoulder. Um, she really did something with her right shoulder. And we lost the first match against uh, America, against the young team. We were definitely down after this first uh, game and uh, we didn't talk to each other and it was really hard. Um, Kira was suffering with her shoulder and, uh, and all the, all just the way we played, I was really frustrated. Yeah, and after that, I don't know how we um, switched it around. We had, always, we had again the patience and the trust, I guess, and just um, went point by point and went back to our routines we had um, until then. And there was a really good practice tournament for the Olympics. Um, I don't know how our team did it. The coaches and also our physio who was there, he was saying actually, like Kira was about to not play anymore because she felt so bad. She was anxious about um, not uh, playing Rio because of the pain she had. And the physio was, um, keep going, keep calm. You go for shooting and we um, can, like your body will do it. It will remember how, um, how it can work. And he was right in the end. I mean, he could be also wrong and he, uh, she would be really injured, but she, he, he was just right. Like our coach Jürgen, he was also right to play this tournament. I was a little bit like, oh, is it not too close to the Olympics? Should we not make a pause maybe or something? And he was, no, we play it and we have this as a practice tournament. So, okay, I'm, I listened and I said, yes, and we do it. And then Trust and patience. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and trust and patience. So uh, it was always a really good teamwork from everybody um, around us as well. It was not just us. Um, so um, the planning was definitely on point. Yeah. And you got your passport confiscated on the way into oh, Klagenfurt that year as well. I hated it so much. Did, 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 did you see this, Matt? No. Yes. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, you, you have this story about getting pranked. And uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, 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 yeah. yeah, it's funny, yeah. That's my evil laugh. Um, the major series pranked um, Laura by um, putting two security guys in arrivals in Klagenfurt Airport and saying that she had to hand over her passport and it would take a week to come back, knowing, oh. knowing, fair, knowing fair well that she was going to Rio the next week. Um, so I, I laugh really evilly, but I can't believe was... that they did this. Like, what if I would be. I don't know if I get a mental down because of this. <laughs> and I would have lost because of them. 
I, it, I have to say, it is funny. Yeah, it is. <laughs> for everyone else, maybe, not for you. But, I was uh, really so close to be really bad with them. I, I think we were joking a little bit around, and then um, I, I, I thought it, it's getting serious and more serious, and then I really got like oh, anxious about it, and I had already my plan how to travel back from Klagenfurt and get to Rio. And um, yeah, in the end, yeah, I'm... Hannes Jagerhofer stood there and I asked him, I still didn't get that it was a prank. I asked him for help. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I need help. Um, at the same time, like, I like, I like a ballsy move. Like, I like doing things that are a bit out there, but that was, that was Good far for you. Than, Good yeah, I, no, 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 it's far better than I would ever go. Prank <laughs> anybody like that. You're in Klagenfurt, you go to Rio. How are you feeling? Night before, sort of, you're obviously looking at yourself and what you can do better, but there's a lot of media attention on Kerry Walsh Jennings and, and the Brazilians. Does that, is that sort of a good thing for you? I try to not read too much about um, what is going on and yeah, who like to see, win, which team. And um, uh, we were in our little apartments in uh, Rio de Janeiro in Ipanema. And so we were always drinking a glass of wine, having chocolate so that I get calm and not thinking about all the other things which um, going to be on court or in the stadium next day. We actually tried to be a little bit in our world, not thinking this is Olympics or a special tournament. Uh, we tried to do everything like we normally do, <laughs> drinking wine <laughs> and eating chocolate, uh, just like a half a glass just for relaxation and trying to not look at the media and what's going on. I remember the game, the semi-final, for example, um, Kerry and April against Agatha Barbara was really late and I was already in bed and I thought like I know I'm not gonna have a look who's gonna win I get up in the morning and then we see but I remember that I woke up and wanted to see and then it was um, Agatha Duda and not Carrie and April and I was a little bit happy about it I have to say. <laughs> yeah. You're completely allowed to be happy about who, who play in an Olympic final. Like a, That's not a big secret, you not uh, uh, like we won against Kerry and April, but not a lot. Um, against Agatha, Barbara, we won a little bit more. And then uh, that's why I was a little bit um, yeah, satisfied about the results. That's it's a great story. <laughs> you, yeah, you, you, I forgot that you, you, yeah, actually on camera. <laughs> did, did you actually go back to sleep? Because did you wake up in the middle of the night? Yeah. yeah, yeah did you yeah. manage to go back to sleep? Yes. Easy, I would because never. I, yeah, easy. I would I was never happy. be able to sleep. <laughs> You, you went through the Olympic Games only dropping one set. So in, in my mind, like, you crushed it. You dominated that Olympic Games. And as you got towards the end, but you seemed to pull away. What was your, what's your preparation looking like as a team um, before, the night before or the day before you play a side? We had uh, always a little bit different. Um, we, like, for example, one day before a game, we had... Um, still like we went to gym to have a little bit more attention attention in our muscles and then the um, next um, time after a game or before a game we had like one hour practice and um, there was always a little bit adapt to how our body feels what our coach um, thought we need um, for tension or for relaxation or for um, yeah all those sorts of stuff or like how we um, how our emotions are like sometimes maybe when you're too nervous then we need to get down and maybe we're not practicing because we think uh, like we may be overthinking something. Actually, the day in between the games, we always practice, practice in Ipanema so that we're away from the stadium and not um, too much with the um, stadium people, with the people around the stadium, the other teams, and so that we are kind of still in our little world. 
on the day we played, we always had, I think, a half an hour practice on the, um, in the stadium, in the practice courts, for five, six hours before the games. And then we had an hour um, preparation on the video. So we watched one game of, the, of our opponent. And I have to say that was the first time we did it so long. We never had like an hour meeting about our opponent. We always had like 10 or 15 minutes yeah, meetings. And this time it was really different. And I really liked it, actually. We are really going through a lot of points from the opponents. Um, we always watched a match against them. So we knew what they do against us or what we can do better. And that was really helpful. I have to say, if we would have time or more energy for all the other tournaments, I would do this more, but I don't have the energy to do this always. So, but that was interesting how much it helped. I, before, I would have never um, thought it helped so much. We went mostly two and a half hours before the game to the um, stadium. And I was always going in the taxi with my psychologist because we were going through a kind of routine. I really liked it having her with me. And she gave me always a calmness. And we always did it also really spontaneous. What I always needed in the taxi or what I thought I need. And she gave me like uh, some exercises we did before or, or just sitting there and not talking at all or maybe talking about the weather or something else. Um, so it was really cool um, to have an M next to me, by me. Yeah, and then going into the stadium, I'm just feeling great. I always felt really um, great going to the stadium and going to the warm-up court. Kira and me, we always had a little bit different warm-up, the stretching, mobilization, um, stabilization, shoulder exercises. And then we always had pepper, shoulder warming up, and then five side-outs, 10 services, and that's it. Was there any moment when you thought, hang on, this is an Olympic final? Or did it just feel like another game? Actually, the, in the Olympics this time, the first match against Egypt, I was so really, really nervous. And then the next games were kind of like normal. I didn't feel so normal because I felt really comfortable. And then like also quarterfinal and semifinal, I felt quite um, um, cool. But in the final, <laughs> I was so nervous. I really, I, I thought like, oh my gosh, I really, I feel like in London and Beijing, I can't move. And my warm-up was really shit. And um, I looked to Jürgen and he just tried to give me the calmness and uh, go a little bit slower. You're rushing too much. And I was a little bit back to my old Laura being panicking and rushing. And he tried to get back to the routines and being calm. Also, when we did the task always outside of the um, stadium before the game, I was choosing a side. And when we warmed up outside of our normal court, it was no wind at all. And then we went into the stadium and then suddenly this wind came and we were on the bad side and I chose the side before and I was just like, oh, it can't go worse. Like I was so nervous and I had the bad side and I didn't tell Kira I choose the side because I felt so embarrassed. Does she know now? Now, yes. <laughs> oh, wow. Kira, some news for you. <laughs> oh, the conditions in Rio were, were crazy though as well. Like I remember watching uh, Brazil-USA in the men's quarterfinal for crazy. That Dalhauser, yeah, against Alison Bruno. It's just, yeah, but that's beach by life. Sometimes it is no wind and sometimes there's um, crazy wind. And some teams can play better with wind, some not. And um, yeah, but this time it was on our side. <laughs> what can, can, you, can you talk us through the last point? And can you explain the feeling of achieving a life at the same time? Yeah, Barbara served out. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say that's easy to remember. Yeah, we, we, couldn't, we couldn't even make the point. Um, but then it felt uh, just like 
oh my gosh, we did it. We made it. Like, we couldn't believe it. We really couldn't believe it. We were just with each other. Um, and I think we started um, just screaming. I really forgot about everything around me. I uh, was just Kira and me. And then, um, oops, yeah, there's something else. You need to say thank you to the um, referees and definitely hug with the opponents. And then it was just our team, our people running with them. And um, yeah, the feeling about it was still unbelievable. I think we, we didn't realize it for a long, long time. Well, that links us lovely into yeah. our next feature. So we like to test people's memories a little bit. And what we've done is we've gone back to a, an important and relevant person from your past and asked them to give a few clues. And the aim is that you can work out who they are. So it's a bit like the mystery man, but this oh, one gosh. is about you, someone from your career. Oh. So here we go. I'm Craig, share Craig Sassou. <laughs> <laughs> no, that'd be way too easy. Too easy. <laughs> so here we go. Hi, Laura. Do you remember me? No. I'm going to give you three cues to help you work out who I am. Are you ready? We have encountered each other on many occasions on the world tour. So that's, that's clue one. Do you recognize him maybe from the voice? You could probably guess a nationality or an area that he's from. Any guesses? Oh, I'm so bad with um, um, languages, but is it Italian? <laughs> you, have, you, have, you have another two guesses. Here we go. Let, let's play on. Let's play on. Number two, it should start to become more easy. I had a front row seat to witness your win Olympic gold medal. He had a front row seat to witness you winning the Olympic gold. Any thoughts? So it must be somebody of uh, the FIVB, no? Stuff? It's, it's very, very close to you when you won gold. That's so Let's try the last one. I think you'll get it. Referee. No. I was the first to whistle after the winning. Point. Spanish. It's the it referee. Yes. Uh, let's, um, well, I don't know his name, but it's a really nice referee. It's a really, really, uh, uh, with charisma. He's nice. <laughs> <laughs> let's just play it out. Hopefully you managed to work it out. It's me. I'm Jose Maria Padron, international referee from Spain. Ah, <laughs> nice. and hurts. See you in the tour next year. So there you go. Cozy. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry that I said um, Italian. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, the first referee from your gold medal match. Yeah, I think in those tournaments it's a um, pity, but we probably don't really um, yeah recognize the referees referees so much. But that's a good sign, actually, right? <laughs> when we yeah, well, exactly. Them. Yeah, it's a good sign if you don't notice the ref. <laughs> Amazing. The some you would go and after the olympics take some time out instead you go and become a german champion again um, and then you win the world tour finals just because you wanted to keep it going or what but i would have stayed on the copacabana and lit up a cigar and and drunk cocktails for three months and and be okay with it but it's actually we really uh, we were sitting together i mean i think two or three days after the um, gold medal i remember it was kira me jürgen and i think our manager andy before we were eating and drinking and then jürgen said okay we need one more serious talk and we kira and me we looked at each other and we we're like oh no not again 
let's just like relax. <laughs> and then he said like, um, there's two more tournaments. Do you want to win them? And we were like, oh, do I have to answer this now? I really don't want to think about it. <laughs> and then we were like, uh, yeah, I think we want, okay, we want to win this. And then he was like, okay, then we, but we need to start preparing for it. And we, you will be tired and there will be lots of media. There will be lots of appointments and lots of excitement and probably invitations for partying or galas and we need to make sure to not to do too much because you will be tired and uh, we were like i don't know if i like it right now but yeah okay let's do it yeah so that was the start of um, that we actually could do it otherwise there would have been no chance with all the things um, galas and parties and stuff and no practicing um, to win those tournaments and we really wanted to it comes with the territory right the olympic gold medalist you have to go back and compete in germany and the whole thing just catches fire and the knock-on effect is is crazy in Germany, the German championship is always crazy. It's like the mecca of beach volleyball. And it's kind of you also want to show there that what you do international um, wide, yeah, you want to show what you uh, can do and play good and for your fans, for your partner, sponsors. And so we wanted to look good there. And um, yeah, I'm actually really happy that we had the power to win those um, German championships. We were both really tired. Lots of people wanted to talk to us. I mean, it was really nice. We also wanted to talk, but we were tired and had almost no energy anymore. But it was really cool feeling actually to um, give everything back to our, our fans, um, family, um, to the team to win this German championship again. Did you view it as a risk at all? Because imagine if you went back to the German championship and didn't win. <laughs> that would be embarrassing. We always had the excuse, uh, we just won the Olympics, we were tired and had yeah, no Yeah, we, we had some galas and, <laughs> yes. and dinners, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I had those high heels on and my calves are really hurting. <laughs> So maybe that was kind of always an excuse in our back, uh, back head. But um, like I said already, Kira hates it to lose. So it's always easy to stand next to her. <laughs> so um, yeah, it was, um, was a really good tournament. 2017 World Champs was the one that you were missing. Did you feel it was that time for you guys? Like that was a big push after the Olympics to, to go again before having a break and yeah, obviously having sure. Tia and Silly done? That was definitely a big thing. Um, we were also sitting after the um, season together and um, everybody was saying what we want, what they want, or if we want to keep um, continuing or, um, and we both were really like straightforward. Okay, let's go. We want the world champs. We want the next um, season and we feel so good. We don't want to stop now. So it was really as a team, we felt also really good. Like also the team around the team and um, everything worked like this and that would have been stupid to stop. Top five. Have you yes. had a chance to think about your top five career victories? So I was thinking a little bit um, about it, actually. I go to the start from uh, I played beach volleyball because we had in the beginning definitely the country quotas as well. And that was uh, where we were really young and had to go through country quota and qualification and then coming to the main draw. So actually winning with um, Sarah Gola um, in the beginning, a country quota match was always a big victory because it was always a nervous thing to actually come to the tournament. And we were young, had not really money, had to travel a lot of, um, a lot of times to go to a lot of countries we have never been. So it was really big excitement. And we had also at this time not really always a coach with us. Um, so winning a country quota match was um, definitely a big thing. 
so I can't really say one um, yeah. country could yeah. but it was always a big thing and then the um, second big victory was um, actually winning a main draw match uh, after having country quota and qualification we were always so satisfied with everything that we always lost our focus and our attention so we always lost in the main draw and we were really frustrated and we didn't know what to do and um, a big thing was actually winning the first time also main draw uh, match i actually can't remember the first main draw match but i can remember there was definitely a hard step to get over it and now the big three victories are definitely um, the first gold medal match uh, or gold medal on the FIVB that was in Shanghai with Kira. And I think I played nine finals before with Sarah Gola and we always lost. Uh, so we always got the silver medal and we never could make the step um, to the gold uh, medal. And with Kira was the first time and it was really, um, yeah, definitely a big um, success and um, going in the right direction with a young player that was big. And then obviously winning the gold medal match in Rio de Janeiro um, was almost the biggest. I think the biggest match uh, was um, the quarterfinal in the Olympics, actually. For me personally, it was actually um, the hardest victory because we always lost against Canada before, or almost always lost. And then there was this quarterfinal. And um, then I think I played my best beach ball by there. It felt so good. And um, that's why I think this is my most important. And like having the step from quarterfinals to the semifinals was a big, big thing. So that's why I think this is the um, yeah, biggest victory. So when you look back at Rio, that match is the one that you view as actually the most important to create the ending that, that happened yes wow. i would say yeah definitely wow. like this i was definitely emotionally wise i was always um also after the last point i went a back set and made the point in the left corner over sarah parvin and going always um over sarah is always difficult because she's high and um <laughs> <laughs> i just turned around looked to the team and i was just like i can't believe it we did it and it was a really good match and um yeah, I mean, Sarah and um, Bensley, Heather Bensley, they always played really good against us. They definitely always had us, and in this game, not. That's all we have time for in episode one. We've actually gone, gone way over, but Laura, thank you so much for coming on. It was an absolute honor um, to have you. And really co all... cool talking to you and remembering mm. uh, to the time in 2016. Yeah, we're very much looking forward to the next episode. Matt, thank you very much for your time. I, re no I reckon that, that, that lived, up, lived up to the hype, didn't it? And absolutely, like absolutely. I remember where I was when you won, and now this is the first time I've actually talked to you. Oh, where? Um, so Have you been, actually? Where was I? Yeah. I, was, I? I'll be honest, I was in bed. <laughs> <laughs> in England, and yeah, yeah. So, okay, well, that's yeah. all right. At least you watched. No, I exactly. watched it in the middle of the night. It was the middle of yeah. the night. Uh, cool. Yeah. I, I have nothing to add to that. To, that <laughs> um, to, to, to our listeners, make sure you subscribe, tell your friends. This is what you need to be listening to if you're into your volleyball and your beach volleyball. Suggest some guests for us. You can send us in some questions and you can ask the world's best. Use the hashtag LetVolleyballTalk. Finally, from me, Louis Lett, the A Space and CV. Thank you very much for your time and listening, and we look forward to having you along next time. Yeah, can't wait. Yeah. Cheers. <laughs> bye bye. Bye bye.
I hope you enjoyed that episode of The A Space. This is me, Britt Harbot, and I will be co-hosting the podcast soon. So if you have anything you want to ask me or something you want us to chat about, please write to us on theaspace.cv.eu and we will see if we can make it happen. But for now, stay safe and we will see each other on the other side.